Welcome to God Tube. This is our new podcast revolving around spirituality. We're your hosts, Christopher and Demi. We wanted to take a moment to introduce ourselves. My name is Demi Vanderwerf. I am a yoga instructor and singer. I'm founder of my company, Namasing, that focuses on teaching singers mindfulness practices. I also work as a meditation and breathwork guide. And I'm, in general, just a spiritual connoisseur. And I, um, I'm Christopher Powell, and I am the music director at Christ Church Cathedral in Mobile, Alabama, and also, uh, which is an Episcopal cathedral. And I'm also um, music director at Spring Hill Avenue Temple, which is a Reform Jewish um, temple, also in Mobile, Alabama. Um, and so I'm a musician, um, and uh, I've basically um, been interested in, in spirituality and working, um, you know, in that type of field my whole life. Um, but we'll get into that a little bit more later. I wanted to take a second to tell you guys why we started GodTube and explain that name just a second. Uh, so I tell this story about kind of my journey in both singing and spiritual life, that which they're very correlated in case you couldn't already tell from my introduction, um, <laughs> but I talk about how when I was a kid, I was really introverted and I like only cared about singing to myself. And so I would go onto the playground um, in like kindergarten and first grade, things like that. And I, I would just sing alone to God. And basically I told, I tell people that I was like, I felt like I was on like, God's personal version of YouTube, like GodTube, and it was just like me and God singing, and none of the other kids existed or mattered, slash they were just like background actors. Um. So GodTube isn't just where you watch God, but where God watches you. Yeah, like two-sided. <laughs> it was more like I was the star of GodTube, right? <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> so, so... Beyond that, like, I was thinking about that story one day on a drive home, and I came home and said to Christopher, I'm going to start a podcast um, where we talk about God and about spiritual topics and discuss other people's spirituality with them. I, we are just constantly fascinated by that within our lives together and our um, relationship and our relationship with other people. So GodTube is more of a... Um, journey in our own spiritual growth as well but it's it was a center of a lot of our conversations anyway so I said we might as well record them yeah and I thought it was a good idea <laughs> <laughs> but but I want to take a second for us to kind of tell you about our different spiritual backgrounds and um, let you know where we're coming from here so I've already said a little bit about um, GodTube in general and my spirituality being very prominent as a young child and really interconnected with my singing. I um, was raised semi-religiously, I suppose I would say. Uh, started at a young age in a non-denominational church with my parents that we didn't stay in very long, but I was very, very connected with 
um, God at that age and my faith and what that meant in terms of expressing myself and music. And then my parents took like a 10 to 15 year gap in terms of church and religion. So I really, during a lot of those prominent, um, you know, growth times in my life, I had a lot of time to explore by myself, going with different friends to different institutions and allowing myself to get introduced to yoga as a teenager and to start reading different, I started reading different religious texts as a teenager. I made it a goal of mine to read the whole Bible, which I completed when I was 17 and then started on the Quran and have since picked up a bunch of other different spiritual texts. Um, so my interest in this is, is really very deep and doesn't stay kind of in one tradition or the next. Um, I am still learning and growing. And so I just, that's where I'm coming from on this journey and it's full of curiosity still. So, uh, yeah, I just, wanted to let you guys know where that happens for me and to stay with me on this growth journey where my perspective is. And my background is a bit different. Um, I, my parents really didn't go to church um, when uh, they actually have some interesting religious backgrounds themselves, uh, which we could talk about maybe another episode. We could talk about our parents. That'd be kind of cool. Um, but uh, they didn't really go to church when I was born, um, but they wanted to, that my birth was kind of like this impetus for them to uh, find some type of faith community and of course both of them were, were very uh, staunchly within the Christian tradition so there was really no question of, of which religion um, and so they uh, were looking around and my dad had had some experience um, in the Methodist Church as a kid and so uh, they were like how about Methodism and so um, my first experiences were really um, when I was I think around two and a half um, two two and a half like they started taking me to this Methodist Church so really you know my whole life I've been um, going to church in one way or another. Um, but eventually my mom kind of felt like that she was missing something spiritually because she had had like, the, I guess we're talking about her background, um, had, had this Catholic and Lutheran mix in the background, in her background. Um, and so she just felt like she wanted something a little bit deeper for her, which I guess we would interpret that as maybe a little bit more liturgical um and maybe more formal than methodism and so she found the episcopal church and so i started going there when i was nine with her and um you know at this time i was taking music lessons and all that and um so i wanted to play the organ to make a long story short i started playing and then i started playing like in my own church um you know a different job different episcopal church and i basically stayed in the episcopal church um you know pretty much all of my teen years um, and I also started playing at a uh, reform temple uh, in my hometown also. Um, so, you know, the whole Jewish Episcopal thing was always there, you know, from probably about age 15 or 16 for me, um, which has given me, I think, an interesting perspective spiritually because I really do feel, you know, at home and kind of rooted in um, both of those traditions. Um, but anyway, uh, I went off to college and uh, I wanted to become Catholic, but I ended up... Um, basically becoming an atheist for a while, um, as happens with people sometimes, uh, you know, when they get away from home. Um, and so that was an interesting journey away from any type of faith and even being kind of anti-religion. Um, that eventually I came back to wanting to become Catholic in my early 20s and I became Roman Catholic 
and then I became Episcopalian again. And so it's kind of been, you know, basically when you take away my college phase, I've pretty much been, you know, Episcopal with more or less Catholic tendencies. Um, Some form of Judeo-Christian. And then, <laughs> then like with Judaism in there as well. So um, very little experience with Eastern religions though, which is interesting because Demi, you know, has so much um, knowledge and experience uh, with those. Um, so that's kind of an interesting balance that I think we have um, with our religious experiences and, and what we're interested in. But that's basically, um, basically my spiritual journey. So now that we have done our little introductions and you guys know a little bit about where we're coming from, we decided to keep this episode between the two of us and pick a topic to discuss in terms of spirituality. And naturally, um, we came, well, I say naturally, it's pretty natural for our life together right now. We decided that we wanted to talk about Lent. Yeah, so Lent, of course, is observed by... Um, a lot of churches, uh, even some non-denominational churches, but it, it roots, it comes out of the, uh, um, the Catholic and um, Orthodox traditions, um, you know, some of the oldest uh, Christian traditions. Um, and it's a time that's uh, observed uh, before Easter, where you usually um, repent and you, there's some self-denial, people give things up for Lent, um, and uh, it's generally more of like a meditative time um, that corresponds with uh, the whole idea of, of spending time in the wilderness. So, you know, Christ, uh, after he was baptized, uh, spent time in the 40 days and 40 nights, right, in the wilderness, uh, fasting and praying. And so a lot of times that's kind of seen as a Christian blueprint for, uh, for Lent. And, and I did a little bit of research into some of the foundations and history of Lent and where people thought it comes from. And there's, um, there's different ideas about where people thought it came from. Um, but nobody knows for sure. But there's uh, a lot of um, a lot of a lot of cultures, a lot of ancient civilizations had like a period of fasting before um, before the spring celebration. Mm. Um, so it, it has its roots, you know, way before Christianity. Um, there's an ancient Egyptian holiday, the Theophany, which is this manifestation of I didn't research it too deeply of like a deity, and there was like this time of fasting before it. Apparently, so some people think maybe it came the idea of it came from that. Um, but I know that also Lent, um, it, it, it started um, as a time of preparation before baptism, which traditionally in the church would take place at the Easter Vigil, which is the, um, the evening of the Saturday before Easter Sunday. And so all of these people who were going to be baptized into the church would um, prepare during the season of Lent by fasting um, and all that stuff and repenting and, you know, things like that before I mean, they would be baptized. That sounds like it, it goes beyond even, you know, religion and terms of tradition there. Like still, if you think about our culture right now, there's this idea of like spring cleaning, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're trying to like get your home ready after the winter and like let things prepare for the spring. So, I mean, I think it the, the idea is really deeply rooted in our consciousness, that seems. That's interesting. And I, I guess this time of year, too, if you think about it, like, um, yeah, like you said, you know, it's after the winter and new life is starting to happen. But um, 
I guess like instead of the idea of penitence and repentance being such a sad thing, you can also just look at it as kind of a self-examination. Um, but it's interesting that sometimes, you know, it has this reputation as being this, I remember when I was a kid, I never looked forward to it. I was never like, Ooh, I want Lent to come. It's like, no, that's when my mother is going <laughs> to, who maybe won't listen to this. I don't know. Yeah, she probably will. Um, she, then my mother, uh, for, Hi, Mama <laughs> when she would force me to like give up chocolate or something. And, and then like, I remember even by the time I was like in puberty, I was like fully embracing all of it. And I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to give up chocolate and meat and like sodas and I forget but I would end up giving up like four or five things one Lent and it was so miserable so your Lenten journeys started really young oh yeah I always was celebrating Lent I mean I remember being a kid even in my Methodist days you know which was before nine so I must have been like seven or eight I remember Ash Wednesday services and stuff you know so it's very much deeply rooted in my own experience of it but like what about you how was Lent part of like your it was that like a fairly recent development for you and a part of my, we've never talked about this, part of my upbringing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I did not know what Lent was as a child. I knew I had one Catholic friend and I went to a lot of like her um, events, you know. Um, so when she was, okay, sorry, what is it called when you're inducted into the church? When she was like confirmed? Confirmed, yeah, I went to her yeah. confirmation. Yeah. Um, so I remember going to her confirmation when we were in eighth grade and I talked to her a lot and her, fa- we were really close to talk to her and her family a lot about, you know, like Catholicism and I was just kind of fascinated by it. And I didn't, I didn't know what Ash Wednesday was except for that Emily, that was her name, would come in with, you know, the ashes on her forehead. And I, I was like, that's weird. I don't, I don't know what that is. Um, and then I, I guess that's kind of how I learned what Lent was, um, since, you know, I was not involved in a church at that time. And I knew, I just knew that she like wasn't eating meat during that time, I guess, is kind of how I came to know that. So this is in like third, third or third through fifth grade, kind of like learning what that was and then really forgetting about it truly. And like really didn't, didn't ever think about that, um, until I was an adult. And then as an adult, I, yeah, it is very recent. I started working at a Methodist church singing in the choir in Huntsville, which was just lovely. And um, I, the pastor there invited my family to the Ash Wednesday service. And I was like, yeah, let's go, let's do it. And they all came, which was really nice. And I, I just remember that being such a moving service for me because it was the first Ash Wednesday service I'd ever experienced um and I was 20 22 or 23 at that point um and then being the age that I was (laughs) I always I always say that like I feel like God or the universe or whatever it is that you want to call that um I don't have a problem with saying God but I view that as very all-encompassing anyway I feel like God will meet you with kind of what is important in your life at that time to bring you back on that journey. And for me, drinking was very important at that time in my life. (laughs) So I went through Ash Wednesday um, at that Methodist service and I didn't really, I didn't like give anything up or anything. I just was like, okay, this was cool. 
And then I've I, had quite a few Lents where I didn't give anything up. So that's interesting. Sometimes people do, right? Like, you know, they want to give up a whole bunch of stuff like I did when I was a kid. And then some people, like, there's this new movement in Christianity now where it's like, no, we're going to take something on. I can't remember how many sermons that I've heard lately, or not late that lately, you know, generally lately, you know, of like, we're going to take something on for Lent because, like, it's not just about penitence or giving things up. So it's interesting just to kind of throw in, just sprinkle in in the middle of the story. Just, you yeah. know, like the different views of, like, you know, giving up versus taking on and what's really the point. Is it to make yourself unhappy? I mean, not really. It's to grow spiritually. So what do you need to do during Lent? Um, anyway, um, that also ties in with, I'll throw in on Ash Wednesday, there are some churches that now want to talk about, instead of remember you are dust and the dust you shall return and putting ashes on the forehead, they'll put glitter on your forehead and say, remember that you are stardust and you're to stardust you shall return. And so there's that idea of let's have the un- sad let's have the happy like reverse of um what has traditionally been seen as something that's uh you know maybe a little bit more depressing but i have my own opinions on that but let's go back to your story yeah, we can get back to that yeah. um <laughs> yeah so i didn't i didn't give anything up at that service and then i threw this kind of rager <laughs> that coming <laughs> saturday night where i used to make this punch that would just like knock people out um Thank God, truly, that a has, knockout punch. A knockout punch that <laughs> <laughs> that really, thank God, has not been made in years and years because it was it was just never never good. Nothing ever good happened when I made that punch. Um, and so I made that punch. I had this this giant party at my parents' house. I was living with them at the time, and they were going out of town. So I told them, "Hey, I'm gonna have a party." And they said, "Okay." So I had a bunch of um, artistic friends from the community, like singers and actors and everybody at my house. And then combined with, uh, I was working at Space Camp at the time. So a bunch of nerdy Space Camp people. It was really a good time. I mean, we had a lot of fun, but I, my family's Greek and we um, found the ouzo in the freezer. So that also didn't turn out well. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and so I was just gone that night and I, I had to wake up and sing service, you know, the next day it was a fairly early service. Also, I think it was eight thirty service. And this is the reason you don't see young people in church. It is. <laughs> um, <laughs> Start having evening services. <laughs> right. So 23 year old hung over me, um, <laughs> just being in the choir loft at that point. And the sermon that Sunday was about how it's not too late to give something up. And me just being like, can barely open my eyes hung over in the choir loft. I was like, oh no, the Lord is looking down upon me right now and made him say these words because of me. <laughs> so it was just very, very obvious um, to me that I was going to give up alcohol for the rest of Lent. Um, and I've been doing that ever since. That's cool. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that um, that's that's something that I know for me, um, you know, I've gone back and forth with, like I said, you know, with um, with uh, with like giving things up or like taking things on. Um, I know that like alcohol is a pretty popular one, actually, to give up um, during Lent. You know, sometimes people give up meat. Um, there's different things, you know, you can do. I mean, on Fridays during Lent, it's very typical for Catholics to not eat meat. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times they'll eat fish instead. And so you've seen like the, um, 
the um, the advent of the uh, fish fry, the Lenten fish fry, you know, happened um, over the past. I think it's like mainly a twentieth century thing. Um, but I always thought it was kind of interesting because it's like not really very much of a giving up if like you have delicious fried fish, like you know, or is fish really not meat? I mean, I know it's not meat, but still, it seems awfully meaty and delicious. Um, but then again, is the point really to punish yourself? I mean, I don't really, I don't really know. I mean, I think that in the past, maybe there was more of an emphasis on that. You know, if you're some monk that's like, you know, flogging himself in his cell or something, <laughs> uh, like taking on the sins of the world um, onto yourself, you know, and then punishing yourself. <laughs> it's, a, it's a choice mindset, right? You know, for me... When you're I, not doing it to punish yourself. No, you're not that kind of person. You I've, don't have that spirituality. I've always said I view Lent as preparing your body for a miracle, right? If Easter is the miracle, then like we allow ourselves to ready for that, and it's up to you as a you know as a spiritual practitioner to decide what that statement means to you. Yeah. No, I mean that's cool. Um, I think that ultimately that's kind of the purpose of Lent, you know. Um, I uh, I want to get back a little bit to like some of the ideas of um, like penitence and like a penitential nature versus a um, you know trying to to build yourself up. I think it's interesting. Like I just my own reflection on what you were saying about giving up alcohol that Lent. Um, in college and uh, ultimately that was giving something up it was depriving yourself um, of something that was important to you but it was really for your own good it was really almost like taking something on too it was a healthy choice it was for taking sure on, it was taking on sobriety <laughs> for at least a little bit um, and I think that's good you don't want to indulge in any one thing all the time you know or it becomes a crutch I guess um, so that's kind, of, that's kind of interesting way to look at it but anyway like I don't know. Um, when you think about that kind of language, like, did it ever bother you, the ashes, or, you know, being told that you're dust and to dust you shall return, or to ask God to have mercy on you, or anything like that? Did those words strike you? Like, I know how they, what they mean to me, but I'm more curious to know what they mean to you as someone who came to it later. No, I, I wouldn't say that I was off-put by any of that. Um, you know, I'm generally pretty receptive towards most things, most spiritual ideas and practices. And I mean, yeah, the idea of like death is is frightening to me. You know that, but but I don't I don't find it you know off putting. It doesn't you know it doesn't make me like shirk away from a practice or anything like that. I think it's really just like that nice reminder of mortality is why I like, I really, I do love Ash Wednesday. I always find this interesting because Ash Wednesday, um, I thought about that a lot this year. You know, we had two Ash Wednesday services at the church. And so I was thinking about Ash Wednesday and how that people love to do it so much. You know, like there's this strange pull toward that in our culture. Um, of course, here in Mobile, Alabama, it's the birthplace of Mardi Gras. And so everybody has a huge rager the night before, you know. Um, of course, Mardi Gras happened because people were trying to cook off all the fat and drink all the stuff and, like, you know, get rid of all the good things so that they could, you know, repent and fast during Lent. Um, and uh, so naturally a big party kind of happened around it. Um, but uh, in any case, you know, so you have Mardi Gras and you have all this stuff going on and happening. And then 
um, on Ash Wednesday, everybody wants to get to church and get their ashes. And even people who are not particularly, you know, practicing Christians, they want to come and do that. So I think there's something about um, being reminded of our mortality that just is appealing to us somehow. And uh, that's why for me, like, I personally don't um, relate too much to the whole, like, Stardust thing, although that's a nice thought too. I think Ash Wednesday for me, I think more about, like, just the remembrance of the mortality and remembering that, you know, I'm not perfect and that I have somewhere to go and some, somewhere to get better and places to work on myself. Um, and there are things that I should probably stop doing just as there are things that I should take on. I don't know. It's kind of a way that I think about all of that. Just like a time to evaluate the choices that you're making in life. Yeah. I feel like if we're too, I don't know, like if we're too positive about everything all the time, then we don't acknowledge that there's room for us to become more ascended versions of who we are. Um, that's just a kind of a thought for me about Lent and stuff like that. Yeah. So the miracle for you is, is reaching that, that next level of being a better person, whatever that is. I mean, there always is more, right? Yeah. Okay, so we talked about miracles. Um, I would encourage everybody to try to look around um, and think about the miracles that are happening in all of our lives together as a, as a um, culture, as a world, as a country, um, as different faith communities in your families, um, in your own life, um, even like with your pets or whatever. There's all kinds of um, things that are unexpected, um, unexpectedly beautiful that happen in our lives all the time. Yeah, um, I want to take a little... Yeah. little... <laughs> Section two, talk about my miracle last year. Like we were, you were talking, um, we talked about that a little bit earlier, you and I did, but last year was really 2020's Lent, right? I gave up and gave up and implemented a lot of things during Lent. It was a really intense year in terms of that practice for me. Um, I mean, uh, truly, the, the list was really long. I had an entire little blackboard that I wrote everything that I was doing out on it. Um, and I did those things. And then, of course, in really, not really the middle of Lent, but kind of the end of Lent, the middle to end of Lent is when quarantine started. Oh, yeah, it was... Right. Everybody was like, you know, within the church, they were like, oh, we'll be back by Easter. You know, and uh, that didn't happen. And then we're like, we'll be back by the fall. And that didn't happen. Then it'll be like, we'll be back for Christmas. And that didn't happen. So people really were caught unaware. But yeah, it was like right around, I don't know, somewhere around the third Sunday of Lent, maybe. Right. That that all shut down. True. And I, um, I was really already deep into my practice at that point. But right even as quarantine started, um, I, my grandparents were some of the first people to get COVID on my dad's side. And they had it, they went to a harmonica convention and both got COVID from there. And then you heard that right. Yeah. They go to a harmonica convention. I do. And, uh, then my grandfather was going in for hip surgery and he was unknowingly sick with COVID and they operated on him. And then, so then he was recovering from the hip surgery with COVID and gave it to my grandmother, um, my yaya, my Greek grandma, and 
um, she, she really did struggle with it. My grandfather recovered a little bit better, which is crazy since he had so much going on in his body. Um, but he got over it before she did. And, uh, I really was already, of course, like I said, deeply into Lent at that point and deeply into my prayer life. And that just really sent me into spiritual territory that I had not really been in before. Um, I mean, at that point I was reading like four or five religious texts every day and praying for like literally hours when, cause there, not that there was nothing else to do. I mean, there was, we were inside, could find whatever, whatever else to do, but that is what I was doing. And, um, really struggling with that and struggling with watching my dad, um, you know, like deal with this possibility of the passing of his parents, especially while times were really locked down during COVID, like the hospitals, you know, not like they've dealt with it today where things are easier, accessible and things like we're completely on quarantine. So it was hard for any of my family to get there. They're in Virginia and my parents are in Alabama, so they couldn't go anyway. But like my grandparents, kids that were there getting access to them and stuff, it was just a really sad and hard time where they had no interaction with anyone and were just completely on the brink of death. And then, um, like we really, really thought that my grandmother was going to pass when they took her, um, off of the ventilator, uh, for the second time. Cause she had a, a DNR, a do not resuscitate. And I remember just being in such, such deep prayer that week and knowing how many people in my life were also in deep prayer for her recovery and to hold on was like super impactful for me and something I hadn't seen before. And that, that was my miracle is that, is that she pulled through that. Um, so during that time really worked out you know, in terms of divine timing for the best and the things that I was already doing with Lent were such a preparation for that and just gave me such a perspective on the power of, you know, intention and prayer. You had so much confidence, um, and I did too when I would pray about her. There was a lot of confidence that we expressed in that. Um, I think that you were really in a journey, you know, thinking a lot about manifestation at that point also spiritually and of course for um for me with a christian background i think about christ saying you know if you have enough faith you can move mountains um right. you know and the whole idea of um christ telling other people your faith has saved you um you know granting people's requests for healing all the time because they express faith so that confidence that faith seems to be a big part about you know what facilitates miracles and things such as that as well for sure but um we wanted to so think about miracles in your life they don't all have to be as as big as uh, the one that demi just talked about although um those miracles are wonderful too um sometimes they're just little things too um demi will often see like a really pretty sunset or a, an unexpected cat or <laughs> <laughs> or something and say look a little blessing and i always think that's nice that you can see them like that right as blessings um I never would think of that that way, um, but um, you know it's kind of a childlike way to to see things. But I think that that's a really beautiful thing too. 
because um, again, Jesus talks about um, you know that in order to to have access to God, to really understand God and come to God, you have to become like a child. So seeing like an um, an animal or something as like a blessing, I think is is just exactly what Jesus is talking about. But in any case, uh, so for Lenten practices, we wanted to leave you with a few things that you can do um, to uh, to improve your Lent. Uh, or to maybe uh, observe things. So uh, so basically, we're doing some stuff. Um, so I wanted to tell you about that. Um, I made a document at the beginning of Lent, which um, is drawn from the Book of Common Prayer, basically, which is the Episcopal Prayer Book. Um, and uh, all of that, of course, follows the, the Liturgy of the Hours. So uh, in Liturgy of the Hours, you pray all the time, like on this 24-hour cycle, and usually like monastic people, like monks and nuns, they're the ones that really pray the actual full liturgy of the hours. But you can do morning prayer, noonday prayer, evening prayer, night prayer. Those are the ones that lay people might do if they're really devout. And a lot of people just do like one or the other. Like some people like to pray in the morning. Some people like to pray at night. Um, we generally like to pray at night. So uh, night prayer, also called Compline, um, is what I kind of took this from. So uh, it's really a stripped down version. Um, and it, it, it abbreviates the readings and the psalm and stuff like that. Um, so you can make it longer if you wanted to. Um, but I made this document, which we're going to put in the um, in the uh, the show notes, and um, it it has the um, some of the prayers for nighttime, which are good to pray just before going to bed. But it has um, the readings that are appointed for uh, each day during Lent. Uh, it starts the day after Ash Wednesday, and it goes all the way until um, the evening of Easter Day, and so. Um, it has a Bible reading and a psalm that's appointed for that day. Uh, it's not something that I appointed. It's just the church in general has been using these readings on these days for a really long time, right? And, like, basically after – it's on a two-year cycle. So, basically, after two years of doing this every day, you would have kind of read the whole Bible. Um, but in any case, it follows a narrative. We've been following Jesus as he goes around and does different things um, leading up to uh, the crucifixion, of course, which is the point of – and the focus of Holy Week. Um, and so, uh, so it's really cool and it's, it's not too long, you know, it's only two pages. So the idea is that you, you know, really are only spending a little bit of time doing this, 10, but 15 minutes. Yeah. But we yeah. like to add in, we're doing a devotion for couples also that we read in the part where it says a meditation may be offered. You could also just discuss the Bible reading if you wanted or use another, if you have a devotional you want to do, um, you could or, use your devotional there. Or actually meditate on the readings. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about Lexio Divina sometime. Um, but uh, in any case, um, there's also, it doesn't really say it because I didn't really think about it. But um, right after, um, there's two prayers for evening. There's the Lord's Prayer. And then there's another prayer. And then there's one more prayer for evening. And it's right before the final uh, closing part of the service. There's actually a little place there where it's really great to pray for people who you're thinking about. We always like to pray for people who have either asked for our prayers or who, um, you know, we're just thinking of. It doesn't have to be any particularly big reason. If they come into your mind, that's a good enough reason to pray for them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we <laughs> go ahead and put that in there. And then it closes with um, the uh, uh, Nuc Dimittis, which is just a, uh, a canticle, um, which is a type of religious song, uh, which can be sung, of course, or, or spoken. Um but uh, it's for evening. It's done you know, always in the evening. So in any case, uh, that's what we're doing. And um, also, Demi is uh, giving up alcohol um, for all of Lent. 
Oh, I mean, they're shocked, right? Yeah. <laughs> After listening to the rest of this episode. And I, um, I am giving up alcohol as well, except for um, Sundays. For my Catholic days, there's this exception that Sundays don't actually count. Um, Sundays are considered uh, not within the, 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 the 40 days of Lent. So um, traditionally, you could not, you don't have to abstain on you can Sundays. Break your fast. You can break your fast on Sundays during Lent. Um, and also the Feast of St. Joseph and uh, the Feast of the Annunciation, which are two feast days that happen during Lent. Um, so those are great opportunities to drink uh, or, if you want or, to. Or not. <laughs> um. Or you don't have to. You can be more, even more serious about it than that. Yeah, um, I, I am not breaking fast. Um, I really like to view this time as a reset for my body. So. Although there is something to be said for the intentionality of having an appointed day to do something and doing it only on that day. So I think there's lessons you can learn from both. For sure. Um, whichever path you choose to take. Um, so in any case, that's what we're doing. And um, we'd love to hear from you if you wanted to um, comment or write to us about some things maybe of your ideas for Lent. I would also emphasize that I don't think that this has to be something that you have to be a practicing church-going Christian to do. You know, um, right. you could do it within a non-religious tradition. Um, you could do it in the tradition of another religion. Um, there are three main tenets about Lent, right? So prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And those, you, you know, you find that with an alignment, like you said, of so many other religious practices. It's so rare to find a religion that's not focused on those three things in some form or fashion. Certainly the oldest and, and most established and most, you know, most ancient religions have those as their pillars. Um, but yeah, so prayer, um, talking to, uh, to God, um, or if you are, don't really personify God as much, then just talking to the universe, talking to um, people who you love uh, or care about who have, who have died. Um, I'll never forget after my, my maternal grandfather died, the, the nun at the Catholic school that I went to told me, you have a saint in heaven now, you know, and you can pray to him. And that's kind of a non-traditional idea, really, um, to, to think about. Usually you just think about prayers to God, but there are many different people you could pray to um, within right, right, whatever within, tradition you're in, you know. Within a new age spiritual context, right, we would call them our spirit guides. Yep, our spirit guides, um, if you're not talking, yeah, exactly, if you're new age. Um, and... Uh, of course, fasting, giving something up, abstaining from something doesn't have to be food, doesn't have right. to be drink. It could be certain things that you do or thoughts, even you know, whenever Little you thoughts, whenever that, you think of that's something. That's difficult. <laughs> yeah, that, just acknowledge it, dismiss it, let it go, but try not to dwell on it. You know, that could be an interesting idea. Mm -hmm. And then almsgiving. Yeah, I think that you know we are not perfect. Obviously, like I said at the beginning of this, this is much more of spiritual exploration and growth with us both of us um so we don't pretend to be anywhere that we're not in life but i think almsgiving is the place that you and i need to place a little bit more focus on so maybe we'll make that our intention for the rest of lent yeah it's hard to do that because you're trying to think of where your money goes or what you want to give your money to um but there are lots of great charities out there um, that you can do and I would also interpret almsgiving liberally as also uh, You know, it doesn't necessarily have to mean money It can just be any type of thing that you're actually doing or giving or even of yourself like to others Friendships in your life, right? Your friend that needs a little bit more attention That is feeling left out. So whatever their love language is um, In that way just acknowledging them so that you could say communicate spiritually is prayer 
right? And fasting is um, self-improvement. And then almsgiving is tending to the needs of others. Right. Um, I wanted to throw out my charity that I donated to yesterday for this. Um, is that I gave some money to the Self-Realization Fellowship, which was founded by Paramahansa Yogananda. Um, who <laughs> His um, anniversary of him leaving his body was... Yes, I, I, I wouldn't yesterday. call it a death. It was yesterday. Yeah, so I did that in honor of the anniversary of his ascension, um, which I, I, I love the teachings of Yogananda. I, I gain a lot from that. And so I'm in the middle of reading his book right now, Autobiography of a Yogi, and just getting so much out of it. I'm sure that I will talk more about that at some point. Um, but that is the organization that I chose yesterday and i don't know I'm, i think i'm gonna try to find a different one every week just give a small amount yeah that's a great idea and um, of course there's also local charities uh, depending on where you live you can reach out and, and find um, different charities that are associated with um, various churches a lot of times if you find a church or a house of worship synagogue anywhere really um, right, then they will have charities they can they either have or they can donate to on your behalf. Um, and there's also non-religious charities to donate to, of course, right? Um, so there's uh, ways you can donate no matter really who you are. I mean, even if you're just donating your clothes, you know, or stuff that you don't use anymore, furniture or whatever, um, there's definitely things that you can do. Yeah. Uh, so we would like to wish you guys a happy Lent, happy practicing, um, and much growth. Yep. Have a wonderful um, afternoon, morning, or evening, wherever you are. Namaste. Namaste.